0: Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at Rain. This podcast is brought to you by Rain Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Subscribe today at RainWorldview.com. Welcome to the essential, and I do mean essential, geopolitics podcast from Rain. On today's host, Ryan Bull. Thanks for joining us. Today, Matthew Bay and I are going to be discussing Joe Biden's upcoming visit to Saudi Arabia, now scheduled for mid-July. Uh, we're going to be doing this a little bit differently this time. This is a special edition podcast where we're going to be having a discussion about an issue that we both follow rather closely. Uh, welcome, Matthew. Hey, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. Well, let's dig into it. So let's talk about Joe Biden going to Saudi Arabia. Why is he doing it right now? I mean,
1: if you just look at what's happening at the pumps here in the United States, um, you're seeing record oil prices pretty much every single day now. Um, The average nationwide um, gasoline price is $5 per gallon for the first time ever. Um, Biden is really doing a full court press on trying to get oil production up globally. And of course, here in the United States to bring those prices down ahead of what are probably going to be very difficult um, elections for the Democratic Party um, coming up uh, in, in, in November midterms. Saudi Arabia, of course, being the world's largest um, oil exporter, is um, a key component of that strategy. Or strategy because if you can court Saudi Arabia to increase its production, um, that can offset um, some of the oil that's been lost from the, the, the Ukraine war and, and Western sanctions and embargoes on, on, on Russian oil. Now, thus far, Saudi Arabia has basically been. Um, not really willing to entertain this all that much. Um, We've seen Saudi Arabia more or less maintain um, the OPEC Plus uh, production plan. Remember that Russia is a member of OPEC Plus in terms of bringing back more oil to the market. Um, But they did slightly adjust it um, for the month of July uh, where they essentially agreed to accelerate production increases for the month of August and September and just front load those in August and, and July instead. Now, what this means from an oil market standpoint is that oh Saudi Arabia might be accelerating oil to the market but it's very small volumes compared to what is being lost from Russia and oil markets really haven't responded since that was announced a a couple weeks ago we've actually seen you know Brent the main European benchmark it's still today trading anywhere from 115 to 120 or one even a little higher than 120 at times per barrel that's um, pretty significantly high um so Biden really is trying to get everything um that he wants from 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 Saudi Arabia trying to ease over the, the poor relationship in order to get um uh, MBS or so Mohammed bin Salman the Crown Prince to actually authorize an increase in production and and, and Ryan I know one area that you've been following very closely is kind of around you know the US's and the Biden administration's attempt I guess to put I don't want to say MBS in a corner but kind of you know downgrade the relations for the president through Mohammed Samban due to the, 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 the murder of Yamal uh, Khashoggi, but rather working through King Salman. Um But it seems like Saudi Arabia and MBS are basically saying, if you want more oil production, you've got to go through me.
0: Right and, and and that's kind of why there's so much media attention on Biden going out there in July is that there's a lot of media organizations that, and and politicians and, and some aspects, some parts of the American public that want to hold Saudi Arabia accountable for the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi in in 2018 um there also there's a long-standing mistrust of Saudi intentions Saudi governance record it, a lot of it began with 9/11 where many of the hijackers came out of Saudi Arabia there's a lot of folks that believe that the Saudi Arabia is not an American friend and and as that translates into these off and on attempts by various U.S. presidents uh, to reform Saudi behavior, and and Joe Biden is certainly not the first president to try to improve Saudi Arabia's human rights record. You know, Obama tried to do it, um, George W. Bush tried to do it with his freedom agenda, um, but him going right now he more or less is having to drop any talk of, of trying to hold anybody accountable for Khashoggi's assassination. He, he's certainly not going to go there attempting to pressure uh, Riyadh to reform its political system. And it's a, it's a really big kind of a climb down uh, from a, a president who on the campaign stump threatened to make Saudi Arabia into a pariah. And we have to remember the the Democratic base has a lot of activists who are very focused on Saudi behavior, not just inside of Saudi Arabia itself, where women's rights and other things are, are, are of great concern to these activists, but also in Yemen, where Saudi Arabia's air campaign has resulted in significant civilian casualties. They're often blamed for the the famine, whether or not that's rightly or wrongly. The, the activists take is that the, the Saudis are the primary culprit for the famine going on in, in Yemen. Um, and so these folks are are pretty incensed at the idea that uh, uh, Joe Biden might go to Saudi Arabia, you know, with his his hat in his hand. And more importantly, it, it, as you were saying, it might not really result in much of a difference in Saudi energy policy, and certainly isn't going to translate into relief at the pump. Um, and so a lot of people are questioning uh, why Biden is necessarily doing this at this moment. But of course, it's not just oil prices, is it? There there are other things that um, that Biden will be bringing to the table. Um, for example, uh, uh, Saudi-Israeli normalization, which is now becoming an increasing priority for this administration. Um, Matthew, you've been kind of tracking some of that. Uh, the, the We both have been tracking Saudi-Israeli uh, Saudi, uh, normalization. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts on how this sort of gambit might be going forward?
1: Yeah, I think um, Saudi Arabia has a bunch of strategic reasons right now to kind of close in its relationship with Israel whether that's through outright overt normalization or behind the scenes um, economic and, and security deals. Of course, we know that behind the scenes, Israel and Saudi Arabia have long had at least some sort of, you know, defense cooperation that is really largely spurred on by the U.S. Um, but as right now, Israel is in a, in a very significant covert war with, with Iran. Um, negotiations between the Iran, between Iran and the United States are going pretty poor when it comes to its nuclear program. Um, and if we do see uh, a nuclear crisis, it is likely that some of that fallout for Saudi Arabia is going to play out um, in Saudi Arabia, i.e. we could go back to what we saw a couple years ago where there were frequent attacks against uh, Saudi Arabia's oil infrastructure that were likely coming from Iran. Um, we had, you know, similar accusations early, earlier this year, although it may have actually come from Yemen. Um, so you are looking at, you know, a shared interest by both of the countries to actually try to work on security issues. And even as now Saudi Arabia is looking at other um, countries within the region like the Emiratis that have been normalizing with Israel, um, if Saudi Arabia doesn't do it sooner rather than later, they're going to miss out on some of the, the economic opportunities that partnering with Israel, which is a major innovative technology economy within the region, they're going to be missing out on some of those opportunities as you know, the UAE, and there's always that shadow competition between the two of them economically, um, does try to essentially lock in um, Emirati investment and Emirati economic deals moving forward.
0: Right. And you're kind of touching on this, this notion of regional security. And, and we know that the, the U.S.-Iran nuclear talks aren't going well, but also that the United States is, is now has a new crisis, uh, in Europe. It, it, it's pulled in a direction that, you know, two years ago, the United States was trying to pull out of, of Europe and, and draw down its forces. Uh, but that's not the only place, of course, that the U.S. is, is focusing and trying to, draw down from the, the Middle East, not necessarily abandon it the way that the British Empire did, but to, to simply put it into a different box and use less of, a, of its interventionist powers less often and, and kind of rely on allies and, and friends like the, United, or like the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia and Israel to solve more and more of their own problems. And of course, we know that the Saudis don't always feel comfortable with that. Uh, but it's certainly not just Europe that's distracting the US. It's also China, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think both of us over the last few years, we've written a, a column or two that is basically titled, I think mine was titled something like Saudi Arabia, the United States are destined to, to diverge. Um, this is a topic that both of us have written about. And it's that, you know, in the context of growing competition between the US and China, which, you know, there's unlikely to uh, reduce in any intensity anytime soon, um, where Saudi Arabia falls within that is going to be a critical, uh, a critical question. Um, politically, Of course, Saudi Arabia and the U.S. have a a much longer historical relationship than Saudi Arabia and China. But when you look at economically, um, where is kind of Saudi Arabia's economic future tied when you talk about oil exports and, and things like that? It is the Chinese economy and the Asian markets. Um, so there is there is an alignment between, uh, on economic interests between China and Saudi Arabia, and as we know, both the Chinese government and the Saudi Arabian government likes to, likes to mix pol- politics and economics, so there is going to be naturally a growing uh, political and economic relationship. And then when you look at the kind of Saudi Arabia defense strategy, Saudi Arabia is looking to diversify its defense portfolio away from being so dependent on, um, on U.S. Uh, uh, um, systems and some of the systems that the U.S. isn't willing to to sell to Saudi Arabia, i.e., um, ballistic missiles, um, is something that that Saudi Arabia and China are cooperating on, and that China is, has sold Saudi Arabia in the past. So I think there's a lot of going to be a lot of strain in that relationship moving forward as the U.S. really squirrels or, or as the U.S. really focuses on China, which might be you know something that isn't just a two or three year type thing. We're talking you know two or three decade type uh, type uh, competition.
0: Right, we kind of internally ca- characterize it as strained pragmatism, and that seems to be what the relationship will be, uh, for the near term, uh, including through this potential visit that might improve personal ties, uh, but won't change the underlying strategic divergences between the two countries. Matthew Bay is Rain's senior global analyst. His work appears in Rain Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. If you'd like to learn more about U.S.-Saudi relations, visit Rain Worldview. Right now, there's an extremely affordable subscription rate. Go to rainworldview.com for details. That's R-A-N-E worldview.com. I'm Ryan Bull. Thanks for listening.